What if you just see like someone in a hoodie in the back, like holding a gas canister, like walking? You're like, no, you're like, I gotta call Sweden <laughs> now. Sweden, wake up! Welcome to We Should Know Better, a podcast where we hitchhike across Wikipedia like a bunch of little fact toppers. I'm your A Christmas Story, Kyle. And with me, as always, are my diehard as a Christmas movie, movie apologists. Mary, mm, I forgot that I go first this time. <laughs> I was going to say just Merry Christmas, guy. I'm like, that's just, that doesn't even, that's not, doesn't even sound like a title. Because you're just taking Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, but your name's Sky. <laughs> that doesn't really, I guess Merry Christmas, Sky Brown, but then that's like, what's that? Is that a color? <laughs> like, that sounds like a bad Crayola color. <laughs> When is the sky ever brown? Sky, your introduction is a Christmas gift to me. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about like it does take place during <laughs> and Christmas. He's, he's Tim, and and also Tim. <laughs> it takes place during Christmas. It does have "Ode to Joy," which is a joyful holiday style song. Tim, like in Japan, they sing "Ode to Joy" in Tim. stadiums. Yep. Hi, Tim. I'm Tim. I I I don't care. <laughs> I'm Aww. sorry. I'm sorry. You don't care I, that I'm Tim. No, not that. No, I, I'm. I'm so. I'm very glad that you're Tim, and I'm glad that you're here with us. I. It's. It's. It's diehard. I. I could. I could care less. Um, there are so many people on Twitter this year. It seems like more than ever before, who are concerned that we do not believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I'm here to tell you, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, the Green yeah. Brothers right now are doing this whole thing about like not having opinions. Did we talk about this before? No, like not mm-hmm. having uh, having fewer opinions on things that don't like matter to you. Yes, They're like we, I just don't need an opinion on this. They're like professional wrestling. I don't care about it. I don't have an opinion on it. Like that's just Harsh. how I'm going to be now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like mm, that kind of sounds good. I don't need a take <laughs> on everything. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, well, this is one of those ones that I just don't have a, I, I don't, I don't really care. So sorry guys. Sorry, Twitter. Um, you can, you can yell at me there. <laughs> uh, but tonight. Dozens of people a, are like, okay. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, but tonight we've got a whole different game in mind. Uh, tonight, we, uh, I don't know. Did you guys, uh, Steven linked me on, uh, he, he tweeted me a couple weeks ago with a wonderful Wikipedia page that we will be using as, as our base page tonight. Uh, did you guys click on it when he, it's a when he, goat, right? It's a goat. Yeah. I, didn't, I have not seen this goat. I've got an so, advantage. Typing <laughs> it's a goat into did, Wikipedia. Do not type it's a goat. That's probably a bad plan. Uh, the Aww. goat that we're looking for specifically is the gavel goat, uh, which is spelled G-A-V-L-E. The A has, a, uh, is it an umlaut? I can never remember which one that one is. Yeah, I think it's an umlaut. And goat, just, I mean, like the goat, obviously. Uh, but it is a particular goat that is a very special goat for this time of year. I appreciate that somehow two years running... I have managed to pick Christmas themed things that have very little to do with Christmas and more and more to do with huge, ridiculously gaudy uh, Christmas decorations. Uh, 
yes. or installments that people have done. I'm so excited about this. Uh, but we'll be going from here from this green and red uh, and white uh, themed thing to a blue and red and white. Themed oh, thing. no. A barber's pole. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog. I was about to oh. lid. I was about to quit this podcast. Oh, Sky. Sky. How often have we been to the Sonic the Hedgehog page? We've been to it oh. probably four times. We have been to it, haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We've been to the, like, I, I what did we, we found out that Michael Jackson worked on Sonic games. We found All out right. that the original name was Mr. Needle Mouse. Um... We found out. What else did we learn? You know what? I don't care. Again, additional opinion. Kyle doesn't have, doesn't care about. You, uh, anyway, you, you bring up so many things that you end up not caring about, Kyle. I'm trying not to care about some of these things, too. <laughs> it's an effort. I'm trying not to care. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Uh, <laughs> All right. Cool. That's my, that's my, that's my theme for so, this year. <laughs> so go to Barber Pole. Yeah. Cause goats need shorn, I guess. Anyway. Uh, but our opening game, because I assumed that one of you actually had read the Gavel Goat page, or at least looked at it. Uh huh. I was going to ask how many times it had burned down. Yeah. Which we'll get to. A good number. If I a remember good, right. Several. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like a it, chart. <laughs> it, yes. Yes, there is. And it's wonderful. Um, but instead of doing that, I came across uh, another wonderful, wonderful Christmas tradition that I will probably be using next year as my base page. Uh, you guys know what a hobby horse is, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, there is a very particular hobby horse. If you don't know what a hobby horse is, listener, it's like a little... <laughs> uh, it's it's a, li- a horse head on a stick. Yes. I mean, yes. Also, yes, there's those horrible UK ones that I know of because of Jack the the Key. Do you remember? Do you remember hearing about these? Yes, Ooh, and I'm only just now realizing. I'm only just now remembering <laughs> that you also listen to that podcast, Sky. Oh, <laughs> what did I just? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast that I basically <laughs> bug you into listening to. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no. And and I just realized that you would know what this thing is. Uh well, I'm going to Oh man, now I can't now I can't ask you about I don't it. have a great memory. <laughs> what are you oh, going to ask? Good. Yeah, that's great. Good job, Sky. Good cover. <clears throat> so, uh yeah, we'll we'll just get into it. Um I'm going to just tell you what it is, and uh, I want you guys to uh, try to think of how you would dress up this horse head uh, for your holiday celebration. Uh, and let me describe it for you here. The the completely terrifying Mary Lloyd, as best I can pronounce it, uh, is a hobby horse, but it's made from a actual horse's skull, actual real horse. <laughs> Um, mounted on a pole, and it usually has a person hidden under a sackcloth, according to Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. And this is apparently a tradition, a tradition of hooded animals that appears in various forms throughout Britain. And we'll get to this at some point in, in our, you know, in our upcoming, uh, we should know betters someday. But, um, what, the way that they have it described here, and I will, I will send you guys a, 
a picture of what they use as theirs. And it's actually surprisingly festive. Um, okay, Wikipedia. Yes, I know you guys need donations. I'm aware. Um, all right, let me let me drop this link in here for you guys. That's yes. Look at that hobby horse. Yep. Look at look at the ornament in the eye. He's yes. happy. Uh, yes, I, I mean in a in a manner of in a manner of sorts. Yes, that's accurate. So for your holiday celebration, whatever whatever you want that to be, uh, what decorations would be on your Mary Lloyd? Uh, and the best one, as judged by me, gets to go first tonight. I mean, I, I would certainly, I would certainly want carrots on mine. Okay, all right. Um, well, maybe like a carrot kind of a unicorn horn. Ooh. Uh, and uh, let's see. Man, like, I, I kind of want to keep like the the ornament eye there because it's very vivid. Okay, it's like this is definitely a green eyed skeleton horse. It's <laughs> one of its best features. <laughs> you just want those you want those eyes to pop is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yep. I kind of want to put uh, some string around so I can open the mouth. Okay. While I am. Uh, I, I don't want to ride, like, riding a hobby horse sounds weird, doesn't it? Like, because mm. you're, just, you're just straddling a pole, kind of hopping around. So, so for reference, uh, in a lot of these cases, it's just a head on a stick, and there's literally, they're not riding it. There's just a person carrying that pole around underneath that sackcloth. Okay. So, so you would I, not have to ride this horse. I, I want, um, I want a piece, I want strings so I can open the mouth, like, Good. covertly. And okay. I want there to be a t-shirt cannon inside. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Hard left. Yeah. Very good. Uh, okay, so that is so my magical you're... carrot unicorn uh, t-shirt cannon. So so what you're saying is that, okay, so your horse would go around and, and generally these are used for like caroling or like it's it's a it's a tradition that you just kind of like have wandering around and they do like skits essentially and th- and they yeah and they sing and then uh, i guess eventually what does the horse opens open its mouth the unicorn the horse, open its mouth the horse opens its mouth um, and there's just a smoke smoke uh sprays out of its its ear holes whoa because it have ears and jock jam starts up like are you ready for this yeah, I got and then it. you just start firing t-shirts because it's think of it sort of as like a juxtaposition <laughs> over traditional and modern uh holiday attitudes tim you actually didn't need to say that jock jam started playing it automatically did in my head <laughs> <laughs> i assumed that's what happened all right sky uh, uh what what would you try to do with this i just got a top hat on its head Ooh, I like and it. a rose in its in its teeth. <laughs> that's, that's what it's got. Like tuxedo horse. Yep. Can it can can it have a tiny like Bluetooth speaker in it and it just plays like putting on the Ritz? Yeah, maybe. As well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like both of these horses. <laughs> I was trying to work a cane in there, but I don't, I'm not sure how I'd do it. Ooh. I mean you could have oh oh I mean you could go very real and have it like a cane made out of 
a horse's leg or no, something. That's, that's okay. That's that's maybe too much. <laughs> no, Sorry. I don't want to mm. do that. <laughs> uh tim i'm i like your t-shirt cannon but i think it, it i think it goes over the top and and too uh merchandise heavy for for the season i prefer the classic top hat mary lloyd horse i i respect that decision <laughs> yeah, um, but i have no regrets over my um <laughs> over my party horse so your party horse. Get I mean, this party horse rolling. You get a do you just get a t shirt shot at you and then you open it up and it just has a picture of the horse shooting a t shirt on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great. Well, well now we have to make that t shirt. You like can find that, that on our shop. <laughs> oh. Um there's also while I was looking up hobby horses, I clicked on the actual hobby horse page, which you should, by the way. It's pretty good. And there's this image, <laughs> this painting. Oh, geez. Right at the top of the page oh, with a guy, a guy who showed up to the wrong party. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you, Frank, that's next week. What are you doing? <laughs> so just to describe it, I there's. Mean, oh, go ahead. Yes. No, there's a line of dancers on the left of this painting and a couple people on the right who are clearly, it looks like they're bringing food or, or something to this party, this, is, this event. And right in the smack center of the painting, just looking very out of place is a man who is wearing a horse costume kind of around his waist, like as though he's doing the the horse costume where you have like the fake legs on the side of the horse. So it looks like you're riding the horse. Yeah. Except it looks like he's just being subsumed into this horse. Yeah. yeah. We haven't gotten that far in, in, <laughs> in horse costume technology. Right. Exactly. He's also wearing a uh, like a uh, a colonel's hat with a plume. And it's wonderful. He's a like just fancy man. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very good. He, yeah, someone said, "Hey, yeah, Frank, can you can you wear your horse costume?" And he's like, "Can I? Can I? I can." He totally can. You uh, think they just had like a lot of skulls hanging around? Like, <laughs> like man, we gotta do some of these skulls. Yeah, yeah. You, I Let's mean, put them on sticks. Let's get <laughs> That's the that's the reasonable thing to do is put the skulls on sticks. What do you do with skulls, Sky? I, I mean, I don't have them. That's the thing. It's I like mean, you have one basis. at least. I do have one. I carry it around on a stick, I guess, kind of. <laughs> yeah, actually, you do. I Look do. at that. And I decorate it in a top hat. I actually don't have a top oh. hat. Oh, that's a shame. Um. All right. Well, Sky, you get to lead us off tonight with gavel goat or gavling Ga- goat. Ga- I, sure. So, like, I'm not good at Swedish. Yeah. What is what does the umlaut do to A's? Like, probably painful things. <clears throat> probably Let's like see. gavel things. Goat? I don't know. We'll go with gavel Let's though, because that's the easiest to say. Yes, Americans. It's a traditional yep. Christmas display erected annually at Slottstorget. Mm-hmm. Castle Square in Central Gavel, Sweden. It's a giant version of a traditional Swedish Yule goat figure made of straw. It's just a really big goat, guys. Like listeners, like there's just a really big goat made out of like it has like a wooden frame and it's like covered in like straw, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, as it said, but it kind of looks like ferns or something, and it just makes it look all woolly, and it's very cute. Um, is it is in fact. It's exceedingly cute. I really, I think this thing's adorable. Yeah. It's erected each year at the beginning of Advent over a period of two days. 
by local community groups and has become famous for being destroyed in arson attacks during December. <laughs> uh, despite security measures and the nearby presence of a fire station, the goat has been burned to the ground <laughs> most years since its first appearance in 1966. As of December 2016, the goat has been damaged 37 times. Will this year be incredible. the 38th? We'll see. Mm. Um, is there a webcam? For, sorry, continue. I actually oh, I just realized webcam? I'm looking it up right now. it's got to be on. up by now, right? Yes, the start of probably. The advent. Yeah. Right. Uh, first advent. A group of businessmen known as the Southern Merchants financed the building of the goat in subsequent years. Um... Oh, we should start with the first year, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the design of the first goat was assigned to the then chief of the Gavel Police Department. So, like, they're already asking for it. Uh, Gavlin's <laughs> brother, Jorgen, Jorgen, Jorgen Gavlin, Gavlin. So the construction uh, of the goat <laughs> was carried out by the fire department, and so you know it was. They're like, We're not, this thing can't burn. And they erected the goat each year from 1966 to 1970, uh, and then from 1986 to 2002. What were you going to say there, Kyle? Did you find a web webcam? I did not, but I did find how to pronounce that word, which I instantly forgot because I'm an American. But there's a YouTube uh, page for it. Okay. It's very cute. Sorry, go on. Pronounce name. All right, com. hold on. Yep. There does Yavle. see Yavle. Yavle. Yavle goat. Um, a group of businessmen known as the Southern Merchants financed the building of the goat in subsequent years. In 1971, the Southern Merchants stopped building the goats. The National Science Club of the School of Vesa began building the structure. Their goat was around two meters or six point six mm. feet. Due to the positive reaction, their Yule goat received that year. They built another one in the following year, and from then on. So they built a bunch of goats for a little long time. Hey, guys. Yeah? The goat has a Twitter. No. Very yeah, of course, Wait, yes. It, of course it does. Why am I even saying the that? The goat committee fireproofed the goat with fiber protector fireproof, a fireproofing substance that is used on airplanes. This is in 2006. In earlier years, the goat has been fireproof. The dew has made the liquid drop or drip off the goat. To prevent this from happening in 2006, <laughs> fireproof protector solvent base was applied to the goat. Despite their efforts, the goat has been destroyed a total of 26 or 36 times. Except up here it says 37 times. Uh, including the most recent incident. Uh, on 27 November 2016, when an arsonist equipped with petrol burned it down just hours after its inauguration. Oh no. I just want to say the, the, the profile or the the description for the uh, the goat profile on Twitter is I'm the straw goat of the world. Aww. I fancy Christmas and I don't play with matches. Well, it's not you who should, I mean. Yeah. I'm following you immediately. Um, there is a web, there is a webcam. It's live currently. Oh, I just yeah. linked you guys. Oh, It'd be so yeah. great if they burn it while we're watching. I mean, it's on its way. We're, we're close to time. Oh, they have like an event going on. Yeah. Oh. Are, are they doing this like today? They, Burning um, it today, you mean? <laughs> when did they, when did they get it up? Uh, I don't know. They, uh, on the seven hours ago on Twitter, Oh, wow. Uh, they were showing fireworks going off near it. Aw, well, that seems like a bad idea. 
It said someone said. <laughs> and then he replies, fireworks are okay from a far distance, and I trust my crew. Aw. This goat is gonna have its I mean it trusts the wrong people. I've gotta follow this goat. Yeah, I'm following this we got, goat. We need Let, updates. Let's all follow this goat right now. <laughs> I have two monitors set up now. That's like <laughs> dual screening, and one is just gonna be the goat this whole time yeah. that we record. <laughs> if if we're lucky, it will burn in the time that we're. Uh, that we're I don't think it'd be pretty impressive if somebody burned that goat with that many people around. <laughs> I mean, it would also be very dangerous. But I mean, I mean, is this you, one of those things where everybody's like, "Oh man, they did it again! Darn it!" But secretly, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's so cool yeah. to see that goat burn." I mean, like, there, there's literally a uh, there's there's people here. I found a I found a board that are people just watching to see when this goat is burned, and uh, there's a group of people who got tattoos of when they attempted to burn it apparently oh dang so it's a thing i mean yeah that's cool i mean we could just spend the entire night here if you guys want to (laughs) sure i mean this thing's burned down a bunch but i've also got here that it was smashed to pieces collapsed stolen hit Mm -hmm. by a car yes (laughs) kicked to pieces in 1978 uh, legs were destroyed in 1983. Uh, in 2000, it was destroyed by fire slash water. I don't know how that. Oh, works. the National Science Club's goat was thrown into the the <laughs> Yave River or whatever. This, this, oh, right. Know. Yep. Okay, so uh, the 2009 man one is one of my favorites. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Go I on. just thought like the ones where it survived. It's like at least three arson attempts were made. Yeah. It just, um, it, nothing in the article really says, like, why there's such a fervor to do this. Because it happened once. And it, a, a thing that can be burned once burning. I, I mean, that's that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there are webcams on this thing. In 2009, they had webcams uh, watching it just to make sure that there were uh, not, you know, there wasn't an attempt and they got the the webcams uh got knocked out of service by uh DDoS attacks um just before they just before they were burned wow so like it was it's it was an a orchestrated operation yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah anyway oh this goat i i want it to survive because it's cuz it's you know it, it it's tried so hard Mm. <laughs> I think or it's kind of its you? destiny. <laughs> I don't mm. know. I kind of like this is sort of like a like a meta game that <laughs> Sweden's kind of playing with itself. Is this like a? It's like an uh, oh, like the phoenix. Oh no, it's a phoenix. It is kind it's of a, a phoenix. Se- it's a secret. Do you phoenix. think? Do you think they've ever tried to invite Nicolas Cage? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you know who I almost linked to for this story? <laughs> for this, wicker, this game tonight? The Wicker Goat. Wicker yeah. Goat. It took a lot of effort not to do that. <laughs> the webcam is showing them making the goat, like putting it together, and they're they're putting the horns on, and it's playing this very soft, like, piano, sort of slow drum beat song. Mm. It's in Swedish, so I don't know what it is, but it's very... Mm. It's beautiful. This is the meaning of the season right here. Um... <laughs> So I got to get to somewhere where I got not Sonic. I need to get no. to. I need to get to Barber Pole. 
Sky, I really hope that you end up on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, barber pole. Man, I guess you get to barber first, right? Like that's probably a good. That is an option you can mm-hmm. take. Yes. <clears throat> You've got lots of options, though. There are a lot of options on this page. Surprisingly, like you wouldn't think that this one would have so many. Oh, I I took like eight routes trying to find something that I wanted to run with before I decided on barber pole. It's I mean, there's just so many options from this page. Um, I think I'm going to go. Wait a minute, just just one more thing. I'm sorry. No, to... please continue. In in 2001, the Go was burned down by a 51 year old visitor from Cleveland. Oh no! Yeah, what? I saw that. Who spent 18 days in jail and was subsequently convicted in order to pay 100,000 Swedish kroner in damages. Wow, I didn't know these guys like went to jail. <clears throat> I thought this court it was kind yeah. of like, a, oh, you, you know, no, no it's definitely is, they it's, definitely go after these guys. It's the court, vandalism. The court confiscated his cigarette lighter with the argument that he clearly oh. was not able to handle it. He oh, stated in no. court that he was no goat burner. And believe that he was taking part in a completely legal goat burning tradition. Yeah, what? yeah, I could like see they that. like they let fatty American from Cleveland light the goat this year. Come no, on, dude, he goes into a pub. Some yes. some some hoodlums see their mark and they're like, "Let's get this guy to burn the goat." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, American, come. Oh, we have let me tell you about tradition. this great tradition, and we want you to be a part of it this year. Yeah, I I yeah. absolutely believe you on that. I think that's exactly what happened. That'd been awesome. <laughs> But uh, I like that he made the argument that he's no goat burner. I'm no goat burner. Yep, yeah, I'm no goat that's burner. That's the thing people say. <laughs> In Cleveland, we have we pride ourselves on keeping our goats flame free. I mean, that is a thing that we that we attempt to not have. I mean, goats should not be on fire in generally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess agreed. Uh, agreed. Cleveland, Ohio. Now 27 years without an officially sanctioned goat burning. <laughs> Hoping for 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Very good. All right. uh, man, I don't have anything that looks like, oh, this is the one. I'm just going to have to get it going, I guess. Um, sure. Do what you do. I think I am going to click on Gingerbread Man. Oh, dang. Hmm. Let's see. Where was that? I saw that. It's down um, 2005. Burnt by unknown vandals, reportedly dressed as Santa and the gingerbread man by shooting a flaming oh, arrow at the goat. Oh, Holy crap. Oh, it makes me so happy. How do people put so much work into this? I don't know. Oh, it's so dangerous, too. Like, just, oh. Anyway. All right, Tim. Uh, this guy's going the sweets the- route. I was looking through the the record of Carnage uh, mm-hmm. for anything potential. Uh, I did not really find anything else down there. I'm going to just go with Anniversary. Ooh. Uh, 2006 oh. was its 40th anniversary. <clears throat> I am interested into where uh, as to where you're going with this, but uh, let's see. All right. I am interested in it, too. <laughs> Sky, let's talk about the gingerbread man. Or, uh, I guess, a, a gingerbread or man. Coo- or, or kookie made of, of gingerbread. <laughs> Usually in the shape yeah, of a kookie made of gingerbread. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Gingerbread dates from the 15th century, and figural biscuit making was practiced <laughs> in the 16th century. 
the first documented instance of figure-shaped gingerbread biscuits was at the court of Elizabeth I of England. She had the gingerbread figures made and presented in the likeness of some of her important guests. Oh That's my gosh. I really want there to be just a like a British Bake Off episode where they the entire thing is just about they just keep saying the phrase figure old biscuit making. <laughs> yeah, for that's sure. that's incredible. It's very good. Oh. Um let's see. There's some fictional ones here. I don't think they're necessarily going to help me too much. Um holy cow. Actually, wait. Uh, hmm. The the largest one? Did yeah, you see that? I did. So world's largest gingerbread man. It was made by the staff of the IKEA Furset store in Oslo, Norway. Uh, on ninth November two thousand nine, the gingerbread man weighed one one thousand four hundred and thirty five point two pounds. That's incredible. Six hundred fifty one kilograms. That's nearly two. That's nearly a ton. I have <laughs> to choose. I have to that's choose on between, its way. Yeah. I have to choose between IKEA and Candyland. Because, <laughs> like, there's a licorice man in Candyland that had, like, licorice oh, hair, no. right? That's so true. Do you think they would yes. talk about who do you think the hair would be linked there, though? Sky, you, I, you, you know what looks like that pole? I mean, in the barbershop pole oh, in Candyland. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, just give it away. Just give it I'm away. just saying. I'm clicking on Candyland. I, I should have just let you go to Lord Licorice because I really want you to read that page. Yeah. I'm man. sure that's a page on here. Oh, but, frick, it yeah. is. Well, Licorice is. Yep. All right. All right. I like how there's Princess Lolly is linked, but Princess is linked to Princess and Lolly is linked to Lollipop. Oh, like, that's oh, a nice opportunity. I'm glad, I'm glad Lolly was not linked to something else. <laughs> Oof. Lord Licorice, right. he is the villain of Candyland. Because oh, Licorice is terrible. All right. Okay. Tim? Anniversary. Let's have an anniversary. It's a date on which an event that took place or an institution was founded in a previous year and may also refer to the commemoration or celebration of that event. Uh, the word was first used for Catholic feasts to commemorate saints. Oh, yep. interesting. Uh, so, of course, um, there's different names for different anniversary milestones. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, of course, first is just annual, two is biennial, triennial, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you start climbing up and things get kind of wonky. Yeah. Uh, 150 years, you've probably heard, is the sesquicentennial. Yes, that's a good one. Uh, 175 years uh, has multiple names. You <laughs> uh, could be a, a Dodrins bicentennial. Um, <laughs> Dodrins is a Latin contraction of de quadrans, which means a whole unit less a quarter. <laughs> so it's basically oh. saying 200 minus a quarter. Yeah, there's the, there's the do, dos quincentennial, which is the, uh, which is 175 years of dos equis. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Quattro septicennial, sep, septicentennial. That sounds disgusting. Uh, turquoisquicentennial. First used by Bell Laboratories. <laughs> and la- also last used by Bell Laboratories. A coined word for an anniversary of 175 years, but the elements of the word literally refer to an anniversary of 375 years. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. 
Uh, well, that's not the first time that Bell Labs, uh, they were the ones that tried to make Octothorpe a thing, right? I think so. They had a bunch of nerds. Oh my gosh, they're word nerds. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, go on. Many anniversaries have special names. Etiquette and Society in Business and Politics and at Home, that's the book, by Emily Post, published in 1922, contains suggestions for wedding anniversary gifts for 1, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50, and 75 years. I like how it just gets broader as you go <laughs> on. And it's like, yeah, once after 25, it's just whatever. We'll we'll <laughs> think about this again when we hit 50. Yeah, yes. Wedding anniversary gift suggestions for other years were added in later editions and publications. They now comprise what is referred to as the traditional list. Generally speaking, the longer the period, the more precious or durable the material associated with it. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, sure. There's not much left here. No, I'm, I'm really kind of surprised. Probably take the etiquette and maybe hopefully hygiene kind of angle. I'm going to click on Emily Post. On Emily Post? Yep. I mean, we're looking for a barber pole. Oh, wow. This is an Emily Post. I'm getting there. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, good night, everyone. All right. (laughs) Candyland. All right. Candyland. It's a game that has a bunch of additions, and I'm about to tell you some additions, and you tell me if (laughs) it's one that I made up. Or oh, boy. one that uh, is real. Cleared by Hasbro. Exactly. Uh, the first one. Uh, Candyland Castle Game. <laughs> like like a castle defense game? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> uh, sure. I want that to be real, yes. It is real. Yay. Uh, Candyland, Dora the Explorer. No. Yes. It is real. No, it's not. Candyland, Escape from Fondue Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one can't be real. That one is I not hope real. it's real. Oh, no. Candyland, Simpsons Edition. Uh, probably? Mm-hmm. Nope, made that one up. Mm. Wow, that's Candyland, weird that I would believe that. adult version. No. Nope, that one's not real either. Thank God. Candyland, a child's first game comes to life. Uh, Is it a horror movie? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to say no. That's real. Yeah. No, it's not. (laughs) I like how how eventually Kyle just starts to deny all of reality. (laughs) I mean, that's the only way to get through most of these days. Candyland, give kids the world. Wait, Candyland, colon. (laughs) Give kids the world, colon, village edition. Village edition? The village edition. That's got to be real since you had to reread it. Yep. Yeah, probably. Um, Candyland, Cavity's Ho. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I cannot imagine now, that Queen Frostine would allow that to be real. Now, now is Cavity's... Plural or possessive? (laughs) It is plural. (laughs) Cavities ho. Oh, man. Candyland fun on the run. I mean, Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a a simple racing board game published by Hasbro. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what the mechanic is. Like, Mm -hmm. get to the end first. 
Oh my gosh, it is. Uh, how many copies of the game do you think sell a year? Two. It's about one million. What? One million copies sell every year. That's amazing. Uh, due to the design of the game, there's no strategy involved. Players are never required to make choices. <laughs> just follow directions. Um, yeah, I mean, we know. I mean, you guys played Candyland, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I mean, jeez, Scott. Here's the thing. Candy Cane, not linked anywhere. Did you have like a problem with this as a kid? Like you sound very down on this. Yeah, it was, it's just you just move the pieces around. I guess that's I mean, fun. It ain't no <laughs> shoots and ladders is what I'm saying. Which also has it, no strategy to it. I was about to <laughs> say. At least you go up and down and it's exciting. I mean, there are exact there are secret passages and stuff in this and the and the molasses swamp. Did you never get stuck in the molasses swamp? I don't know if I got stuck in the molasses molasses swamp. Oh, oh here it is. Yes. Mmm. <laughs> I've been trying to oh this whole time I'm like I got here and I'm like, I'm not finding candy cane. I need to get the barber. What can I think of bar- what can I how can I get the barber? And I it came to me. And I was like, but how do I get to this this page in between? Uh, I need I need one of his movies. And here it is. It's right here. What? It's right Ooh. here. Some Ooh. people believe that Candyland inspired Dylan Lauren, daughter of Ralph Lauren, to create the Dylan's Candy Bar store, also located in New York City. Are you kidding but me? But it was, in fact, the popular movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that inspired her to start a candy store. Although I'm characters so from the Candyland game can be seen all around the store. Click on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm... Uh okay. All right. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> Let's talk about Emily Post. Yeah. Emily Post was an American author famous for writing about etiquette. Born in Baltimore, Maryland, possibly on October's 1872. The precise date is disputed. They say it's about October 27th. So there you go. I mean, but that's disputed. So no, it's not. Yep. Sorry, uh, Price met her future husband, Edwin Mainpost, a prominent banker at a ball in a Fifth Avenue mansion. Jeez, did she Following know? their That's wedding weird. in 1892 and a honeymoon tour of Europe, they lived in New York's Washington Square. They also had a country cottage named Emily Post Cottage in Tuxedo Park. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> That's very fortunate that she moved into the, in, that she had the Emily Post Cottage. Which like, was, how weird would that be? Which was one were... of four cottages she inherited from her father. Oh my goodness. Emily divorced Mr. Post in 1905 because of his affairs with chorus girls and fledgling actresses, which made him the target of blackmail. Also because he was having affairs, not the blackmail. Jeez. Yep. Although, you know what? Who am I to know? I, she may have been cool with it. Anyway. Let's see here. Uh, okay, as far as etiquette goes, though, this lady, like, the, the two pictures they have here, she looks very not excited about things. But I guess this is um, the eighteen late 1800s, so, you know, lots to be dour about, I suppose. But this so, picture, she, she looks very fancy. I'm, I'm, I am impressed by the level of fanciness that she brought to this picture. Apparently, if you are a post, wow. people will just let you write about etiquette. Because under notable descendants, they have Peggy Post, the wife of Emily's great-grandson, not even blood-related. <laughs> is the current spokeswoman for the Emily Post Institute and writes etiquette advice for good housekeeping. Peter oh. Post, Emily's great-grandson, writes the Sunday edition of the Boston Globe column, Etiquette at Work. 
Anna Post is Emily Post's great-great-granddaughter. She is the author of Do I Have to Wear White? Emily Post Answers America's Top Wedding Questions, as well as Emily Post's Wedding Parties, Smart Ideas for Stylish <laughs> Parties, from Engagement to Reception and Everything in Between. She is the wedding etiquette expert for Brides.com and Inside Weddings magazine. Lizzie Post, another of Emily's great-great-granddaughters, is the first member of the fourth generation of Posts. Oh, my goodness. Her book is titled, How Do You Work This Life Thing? <laughs> so, all right. I really, really hope that Lizzie Post goes around and describes her work as post-postmodern. Mm. I really hope that's what she does. No. Come on. No. <laughs> wow. Emily's most accredited works included those regarding the courtship of young women. She was once quoted saying, it's always polite to invite the gentleman to your abode after a pleasant meal. Emily, I don't know. That sounds sketchy. Unless uh, Emily had different here. things in mind than we did. In 1950, Maybe. Pageant Magazine named her the second most powerful woman in America. Who do they name the first? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it, so... Oh, okay. Can you venture a guess, Sky? Dear Abby? Mm. No. <laughs> All these etiquette people are like the queens of the country. <laughs> <laughs> they, rule, they rule with an iron post. But... Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Was Tim! Yeah. Tim! So, I'm going to click... I, I, I know what I'm going to click on. Uh, on the 1943 Warner Brothers cartoon, A Corny Concerto, on the oh, section no. Tales from the Vienna Woods, Bugs Bunny shows a book entitled Emily Post Etiquette, then turns to a page that states it ain't polite to point, in which he then slams the book shut on a hound's nose. Uh, this is a horse race on Bugs now. Bunny. Yeah, this is a horse race now, because I know exactly where you're going with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, look, in 19... No, no. May, you missed this, Tim, and I'm very upset that you skipped this. I feel like you did it on purpose. I probably but did. On May 28, 1998, the USPS issued a 32-cent stamp featuring Post as part of the Celebrate the Century stamp sheet, sheet okay. series. Yeah, yeah, you know Post where this is going, Sky. On Post. Uh, <laughs> this is too good. There are too many a- puns. Mm. Too many good puns. I hope that every time you wear a brown shirt, somebody is like, ah. <laughs> 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 All right. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is the 1971 American musical fantasy film directed by Mel Stewart <laughs> and starring Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. It's an adaptation of a novel. The friggin' plot summary is batshit. <laughs> In an unnamed town, children visit a candy shop. Charlie Bucket, a poor paper boy, stares through the window at the, as the shop owner sings The Candyman. Walking home, he passes Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. A mysterious tinkerer recites the first lines of William Allingham's poem, The Fairies, and tells Charlie, nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out. Charlie rushes home to his widow, his widowed mother and bedridden grandparents. After telling Grandpa Joe about the tinkerer, Joe reveals that Wonka locked the factory because other candy makers, including rival author Slugworth, sent in spies to steal his recipes. Wonka disappeared, but after three years, resumed selling candy. The origin of Wonka's labor force is unknown. We, we know. It just, it just goes nuts. Um, oh. Yep. It's a movie. How do you guys feel about this movie? It's weird. Yep. Yep. It was weird I, when I was a kid. It's weirder when I was an adult. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely, definitely gave me nightmares as a kid. Did not like it. Um, so I wasn't sure if this, this was uh, apocryphal or not. Okay. Uh, when Wilder was cast for the role, he accepted it on one condition. When I make my first entrance, I li- entrance I like to come out the door carrying a cane and then walking toward the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, they all whisper to themselves and then become de- de- deathly quiet. Uh, as I walk towards them, my cane sinks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself, but I keep on walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward, and just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. <laughs> The reason why Wilder wanted this in the film was that from that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. And that is cited. Like, that's apparently a thing he did. I, I always mean, thought that was like, mm, sure. But. I, I mean, it also works in a meta sense, too, because that uh, that I can't tell. That feels made up, but okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, good. that's a good point. Um. So I want to get to the other one. <laughs> it's up. It, it says up here, like, see, try, you know, for the 2005 film ad- adaptation, but that's not right. like within the article. Mm. Except Willy Wonka is. So I'm just going to click on Willy Wonka. Oh, this is weird. Not the uh, before its release, the, the film. Yeah, before its release, the film received advanced publicity through TV commercials offering a Willy Wonka candy factory kit by sending one dollar and two seals. Oh, from Quaker cereals. I wondered if I wondered which company was going to be like, we're Willy Wonka. It was King Vitamin, Life, and any of the Cap'n Crunch brands. So hmm. that's incredible. All right. So you clicking on just the character Willy Wonka? Yeah, the character Willy Wonka. All right. Yeah. Tim, let's go from one character to they're basically the same character. Wow. So you you know what I was looking for, right? Yes, of course. A specific cartoon. How is that not on here, Tim? It is not on here. How is the... Rabbit of Seville is yeah. not on here. Oh my goodness, isn't Why? it? Why? There's so much on here. You even have Gremlins 2, the new batch on here. Even the racist ones are on here. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's talk briefly about uh, What's Up Doc, right? Bugs Bunny's classic phrase, classic... Uh, catch line? Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Catchphrase. Catchphrase. Yeah. Catchline. Catchphrase. Chuck, Chuck Jones discussing Bugs Bunny's catchphrase, What's Up Doc? Mm-hmm. What's Up Doc is a very simple thing. It's only funny because it's in a situation. It was an all Bugs Bunny line. <laughs> it wasn't funny. If you put it in human terms, you come home late one night from work. You walk up to the gate in the yard. You walk through the gate and up into the front room. The door is partly open and there's some guy shooting under your living room. So what do you do? You run if you have any sense. The least you can do is call the cops. But what if you come up and tap him on the shoulder and look over and say, What's up, Doc? You're interested in what he's doing. That's ridiculous. That's not what you say at a time like that. So that's why it's funny, I think. (laughs) In other words, it's asking a perfectly legitimate question in a perfectly illogical situation. Oh my... Yeah, I mean... That was a lot of words. Not, I, I guess, not wrong. That mm-hmm. that does explain the why it's funny? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Uh, Bugs oh, Bunny has uh, appeared in numerous video games, including the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle series, which I had on the Game Boy. 
Oh, did you? Uh, as a kid. It was one of those games where it's like a hundred levels and it takes forever to get through. And all you get at the end is like a screen with Bugs Bunny like jumping up and down and it says congratulation. <laughs> wow. Wow. Very good. Yep. Oh wow, I didn't know this. Uh let's see. Uh in Bugs okay, yeah. Uh talking about Mel Blank. Though Blank's best known character was the carrot chomping rabbit, munching on carrots interrupted the dialogue. Various substitutes such as celery were tried, but none of them sounded like a carrot. Uh, mm. In the text here, the word sounded is italicized. So the person who wrote that was like, oh, we've got to get that across. Uh, so for the sake of expedience, uh, Jones would, uh, I'm sorry, not Jones, blank, uh, would uh, munch and then spit the carrot bits into a spittoon rather than swallowing them and continue with the dialogue. <laughs> So that's disgusting, but also yep. effective. <laughs> okay, so I am going to... Uh, you have several options that should still get you in the general direction. There's so much here. I'm uh, going to try going with the other character in that classic cartoon. And someone what? who would naturally go to the barber often, Elmer Fudd. Oh goodness! Okay. Yeah. All I've been doing is picture like the whole time you've been talking, just picturing Bugs Bunny yes. crawling on top of his head. <laughs> yep, it's <laughs> that, a good scene. That classic scene. <laughs> it's a good scene. Crawling on his head like a creeper. Uh, all right, Willy Wonka guys <laughs> is a character. You know, you know him. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you're famous, Willy Wonka. It's me, Willy the Wonka. Two, the 2005 film adaptation. You know who was gonna who was first offered the the roles Willy Wonka before Depp? Let's go with um Marlon Brando. Nicholas Cage. What? No. <laughs> he lost interest, it says. That sounds actually completely accurate. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, I gotta go do gotta do go do go ghost rider. Gotta go do like, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um but no, they and they also wanted uh Jim Carrey, but he didn't happen either. Mm. Ended up with Burton and Johnny Depp. Wow. Yep. Johnny Depp apparently based. Did you guys see this film at all? I did not. I did, and mm. I I thought it was weird but effective. And my I was very excited to see that um, Christopher Lee got a uh, a major part in the in the movie because oh, right. I adore him. Oh, cool. And I'm very sad that he's not mentioned on this page yeah, until later. I down. didn't know he was in that. Um, he's very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it seems like from what I remember, like the movie was okay, but Johnny Depp was really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what it says here. Like it was, he was just a made made a weird choice. It does say yes. that on the Ellen DeGeneres show, he said that uh, he based the character on what he believed an incredibly stoned George W. Bush would act like. Maybe that's not like maybe you should think for a second that that's not something people would want to see on I mean, on like a movie. Yeah, maybe you, you got options. Maybe you don't mm. do that. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm gonna click on Johnny Depp. Oh my gosh! I think Wait, I know where he's going. I I have no idea where you're going. <laughs> I do. Yep. Uh, right. Elmer Fudd. 
fictional cartoon character, one of the most famous Looney Tunes characters, and the de facto arch enemy of Bugs Bunny. Wow. He has Wait, one of the on. more disputed origins in the Warner Brothers cartoon pantheon. Whoa. <laughs> yep. So, uh, originally there in 1937, there was a character called Egghead. Uh, who initially was depicted as having a bulbous oh. nose, funny, eccentric clothing, a voice like Joe Penner, provided either by radio mimic Danny Webb or actor Cliff Nazaro, and an egg-shaped head. Mm. Many cartoon historians believe that Egghead evolved into Elmer over a period of a couple of years. <laughs> However, animation historian Michael Barrier, who, man, that's a cool job, uh, he asserts <laughs> the Egghead-Elmer story is actually a little messy, my sense being that most of the people involved whether they were making the films or publicizing them, not only had trouble telling the characters apart, but had no idea why they should bother trying. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you're saying that this 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 uh this uh theory is a little bit cracked up? Mm-hmm. Uh in a feud there was, nineteen thirty eight, yeah. Egghead made his entrance riding a motor scooter with the words Elmer Fudd, Peacemaker, displayed on the side. The first on-screen use of the name. Uh, Egghead shifts from having a Mo Howard haircut. Wait. To being His involved. motorcycle was named that? Yeah. A motor the pe- scooter. The Peacemaker. Is that what you just said? Yep. What did you name a shotgun? What is- yeah. Not the not the motor scooter. That's, I, I didn't make the cartoon. Tim, I I mean, you're responsible for this. You're the one reading it. In the 1939 cartoon, Dangerous Dan McFoo, a new voice actor was hired mm-hmm. to provide the voice of the hero dog <laughs> character. That's probably it was in this cartoon time, huh? that the popular milksop voice of Elmer Fudd was created. Sure. Elmer Fudd has since been the chief antagonistic force in the majority of the Bugs Bunny cartoons, an antagonistic force. Elmer uh, Fudd, initiating one of the most famous force. rivalries in the history of American cinema. Uh, Barrier notes Elmer Fudd was not a modified version of his fellow Warner Brothers character Egghead and that the two characters were always distinct. That was evidenced by Elmer's being identified in a Warner publicity sheet for Cinderella Meets Fella filed with the Library of Congress as a copyright description as Egghead's brother. Oh my. Okay. So possibly. So wait, he's the de facto uh, uh, antagonist which means Bugs Bunny doesn't even recognize him as... The antagonist, like, if you asked him, you know, what who your enemy is, he wouldn't be able, yeah. he wouldn't be like, oh, I guess. <laughs> for a short time, the 1941 and 42 season, Elmer's appearance was modified again for five cartoons. He became a heavyset, beer-bellied character, patterned after Arthur Q. Bryan's real-life appearance and still chasing bugs. However, audiences did not accept a fat FUD. So wow. ultimately, the slimmer version returned for good. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, uh, Rabbit of Seville is actually on here. Oh, good. And I am going to it. All right. That's a good choice because it's a good cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Sky, let's, I guess, talk about Johnny Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp played the barber Sweeney Todd in the musical Sweeney Todd, the demon barber oh of Fleet gosh. Street. I'm going to click on Sweeney did. Todd. Good job. I technically talked about Johnny Depp. That's accurate, yes. Yep. All right. Tim, The Rabbit of Seville. It's a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes theatrical cartoon short released in 1950. 
uh, directed by Chuck Jones. Uh, it is basically a plot line of uh, Bugs Bunny being chased by Elmer Fudd into the stage door of the Hollywood Bowl, whereupon Bugs tricks Elmer into going on stage and participating in a breakneck operatic production of their chase punctuated with gags and accompanied by musical arrangements by Carl Stalling, focusing on Rossini's overture to the Barber of Seville. Mm. Uh, it was voted number 12 of the 50 greatest cartoons of all time by members of the animation field. That's a good choice. Yep. It's one of those great ones that, uh, it's one of those great uh, cartoons from the time when mm-hmm. cartoons used to trick people into listening to classical music. Uh, the Barber of Seville poster that appears at the start of the film features three names, Eduardo Cesare, Michele Maltese, and Carlo Gianzi, which are Italianized versions of the names of the producer, Edward Sizer, writer Michael Maltese, and director Chuck Jones of the film. <laughs> in one shot of the scene where Bugs massages Elmer's head in time to the piano melody, the most famous part of the whole thing, yes, his hands are drawn with five digits instead of the usual four to match the hand of a piano player. Really? That, like... That gets a note here? Yep. Yes, it does. I mean, it, I guess it is weird, but it, it makes the scene, though, because it's just so weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, before Bugs's third go-around with Elmer's scalp, he gives one of his feet a pedicure with a can opener, hedge clippers, file, and red paint. That is followed by growing a beard on Elmer's face and shaving it with a miniature mower, and finally <laughs> a mud mask for the face, which Bugs handles like cement. Wow. That's when you read it like that, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> but but I it mean, describes exactly how I remember it. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happens. Like, yeah. Um, so naturally, I'm I'm going to click on the Barber of Seville. Wait, what? Is, oh, wait, is Barber not on here. Barber is not linked. Are you kidding me? I oh wow okay yeah Barber of Seville. Wait a minute, let me check one more time real quick. Nope, I mean, Barbara is mentioned like ten times, <laughs> but none of them is linked. <laughs> Pedi- right. Pedicure is linked. <laughs> Barber is not. Oh, Tim, you came so close to greatness. I always do. Oh, all right, Sky. Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. The 2007 film specifically, according nah, to Wikipedia. No, nah, I'm on Sweeney Todd. I clicked on Sweeney Todd like the character. Oh, oh, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, which was not probably a mistake. Mm. Uh, the fictional character who first appeared as a villain of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, the String of Pearls. Um, the tale became a staple of Victorian melodrama and London urban legend. It's been told many times since. Uh, this is a little bit grim, but the plot is Todd is a barber who dispatches his victims by pulling a lever as they sit in his barber chair. His victims fall backward down a revolving trap door into the basement of his shop, generally causing them to break their necks or skulls. In case they are alive, Todd goes down to the basement and polishes them off by slitting their throats with a straight razor. In some adaptations, the murdering process is reversed, with Todd slitting his customers' throats before dispatching them into the basement. Uh, great. And then after he robs his victims of their goods, Mrs. Lovett, his partner in crime, and in some versions, his lover, assists him in disposing of the bodies by baking their flesh into meat pies and selling them to unexpecting customers in her pie shop. So that's what this is all about. 
Yep. Barber is here 38 times. It is not linked. Are you kidding me? But you know what it is. What? Is Straight Razor or Barber Surgeon? Mm. I think I'm going to click on Barber Surgeon. Nice. And so, see what that is. I I had actually, I did not expect, I had not thought of, of um, Sweeney Todd with Johnny Depp. What, what I had thought of was Edward Scissorhands. Oh wow! Oh yeah, that I I was thinking about that too. Yeah, I was like, mm. I can I can go to either of those. But yeah, I mean, I I can definitely see why you want a Sweeney Todd. Like he is yeah. legit barber. Legit, where, well, legit. In, yeah. in Edward Scissorhands, he was a little bit more of a stylist. He was a sty- Yeah, he was a stylist. <laughs> so, uh, the Barber of Seville is uh, an opera. <laughs> that doesn't go into the plot on his Wikipedia page, and therefore is roughly useless to me. Uh, uh, no, I, 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 I disagree because it says, <clears throat> Rossini's Barber has proven to be one of the greatest masterpieces of comedy within music, and has been described as the opera buffa of all opera buff. And, <laughs> and I, I, I just... I, would, I, wanna, <laughs> I hope it's opera buffet. <laughs> No, I I hope that people who are really uh are really well versed on their opera refer to themselves as like opera buff. Like are you mm-hmm. <laughs> like are you is it is your is your work strong like oh well, I am opera buff. I mean uh and yes. I I just oh, I I mispronounced opera buff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it gets even better. Yeah, yeah, so I, like I, almost I, nothing I, is linked in the actual plot synopsis on this page. Wow, yeah, know. you're right. It really doesn't say much. It literally says, uh, Rossini's opera recounts the events of the first of the three plays by French playwright Pierre uh, Beaumarchais uh, that revolve around the clever and enterprising character named Figaro, the barber of the title. And that's the entire... That's I mean, it. It goes, it goes down into Act 1 and Act 2 at the bottom. Uh, but like, doesn't really. Uh, it it largely goes. This is what they sing. This is the name <laughs> of this song. Oh, they have the clips here too. Mm-hmm. So man, I'm I'm still gonna keep going. I'm gonna forge ahead. I'm gonna click on Pierre Beaumarchais' French comedy Les Barbiers de Seville. You're you're not clicking on Opera Buffa. I mean. I don't know what it is, honestly, and it's, it's not even linked. Oh, it's a good phrase. Ah, sorry. It's okay. Barbara Surgeon. I almost read that as Barbara Surgeon, which is probably a real person. Mm-hmm. So, Sky? Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> sorry. The Barbara Surgeon is one of the most common European medical practitioners of the Middle Ages and was generally charged with caring for soldiers during and after battle. In this era, surgery was seldom conducted by physicians, but instead by barbers, who, in having razors indispensable to their trade, were called upon for numerous tasks, ranging from cutting hair to amputating limbs. Mm. Uh, In this period, surgical mortality was very high due to blood (laughs) loss and infection. Yet (laughs) Yet since doctors thought that bloodletting treated illness, barbers also applied leeches. Yep. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, physicians considered themselves to be above surgery. Uh. <laughs> uh, physicians mostly observed surgical patients and offered consulting, but otherwise often chose academia, 
working in universities, or chose residence in castles where they treated the wealthy. I I'm really gonna... like that castles is linked there, like just yeah. so you, like none just of so the rest know. of this matters. <laughs> Let's talk about the barbers in the British Isles in the Middle Ages. Formal recognition of their skills, in England at least, goes back to 1540, when the Fellowship of Surgeons, who existed as a distinct profession but were not doctors' physicians for reasons including that, as a trade, they were trained by apprenticeship rather than academically. Just so you know. Just practice. They merged with the Company of Barbers, a London uh, livery company, to form the Company of Barber Surgeons. No. (laughs) Yeah, this is great. However, the trade was generally put under pressure by the medical profession, and in 1745, the surgeons split from the Barber's Company, which still exists, to form the Company of Surgeons. In 1800, a royal charter was granted to this company, and the Royal College of Surgeons in London came into being. Later, it was named <laughs> to cover all of England. Equivalent colleges existed for Scotland and Ireland, as well as many other UK colonies, okay? Including Canada. Uh, hold on. Just just as a side note here, we've read about the knowledge, remember? Yes, Does this yeah. mean that taxi drivers were more well-educated and more um, more uh, rigorously, rigorously tested, tested? Yeah. than, oh, then, then oh your God. Then sur- your surgeon was just a guy with a, with a knife. Oh, uh, Oh. Few traces of Barber's links with the with the surgical side of the medical profession remain. Thank one, God. One is the traditional red and white barber's pole, hey. or a modified instrument from a blacksmith, which is said to represent <laughs> the blood and the bandages associated with their older role. What? What? I actually knew this from Sawbones. That's not true. Yep. You're kidding me. Yeah, that pole's actually from back when they were like surgeon barbers. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh my! Get bloody! Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Also, Sky, I heard you initially say that or read that as a modified instrument from a batsmith, which I imagine oh. is someone who is very skilled at making baseball bats and yeah. like it. There, it's just the Louisville Slugger guy, and just like perfectly balancing and I just like hammering these bats over an anvil. <laughs> I mean, ting, make a pole, huh? Ting, well, ting. I guess a pole is just a vertical bat. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So that's that's what I heard that as, and I I wish that was a real thing. I'm sure you know someone imagines themselves a batsmith. So, kudos to that person. But well done, Sky. Congratulations. Thanks. You won this barber race. Uh, Tim, do you want to talk about Pierre Beaumarchais? Uh, I mean, it's it's just talking about the the play, the barber of Seville. Mm-hmm. Uh, its subtitle is "Or the Useless Precaution." What? So that's a trivia question. There you go. The play, as it is now known, was written in 1773, but due to legal and political problems, of the author was not performed until 1775. Wow! Uh, is the first play in a trilogy of which the other constituents are "The Marriage of Figaro" and "The Guilty Mother." Um, do, 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 do. Guy falls in love with the girl. A love at first okay. sight is linked. Interesting. Wow, that's an and, interesting thing. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil the plot because you know, you know, you might see it someday. I mean, Tim, it's been out for hundreds of years. I'm pretty sure we're past the spoiler. I mean, spoiler. I've still never seen Titanic, so you I, know. Okay. 
Uh, the only thing I want to mention here is that uh, they mm. they say he <laughs> wait <laughs> what I mean do I was that you was that like a an, an alley oop for me Tim to be like <laughs> you know how the Titanic goes though like <laughs> you can't really I can't really spoil Titanic for you I mean no I actually wasn't thinking about that. because I mean, <laughs> you kind of know. <laughs> We we're aware of how the Titanic goes. An iceberg. Right? Um, yeah, I will say that both Barber and Barber Surgeon were linked on this page. Wow, you so would have gotten there. It was Ooh, a little was close. close. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Tim, if I had picked your T-shirt cannon, oh, it goes all oh. the way back to the T-shirt cannon. For, no, no, I think Sky still would have gotten it. Uh, mm-hmm. It would have been. Cl- it would have been even closer, I suppose. He is. Oh man. I, I, I do like that this person, uh, he was at times, they, they describe him as a polymath. Um, at various times in his life, he was a watchmaker, an inventor, a playwright, a musician, diplomat, spy, publisher, horticulturalist, arms dealer, satirist, financier, and revolutionary. They just kind of sprinkle those little, you know, <laughs> those other ones in there as though, oh, no big deal. Just an arms dealer. <laughs> mm. All right. Sky. You you win. Let's talk about the barber's pole. Uh, yeah, and maybe I'm trying to think. Like we've kind of talked about it already a bit. Yeah, I guess um, you're right. But the pole may be stationary or may revolve. Um, up. This is kind of interesting. Well, it's not interesting, but it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> a barber's pole with an electrical stripe is a is a. A familiar sight and is used as a secondary metaphor to describe objects in many other contexts. For example, if the shaft or tower of a lighthouse has been painted with a helical stripe as it uh, as a day mark, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing is like how you see it in the daytime, uh, the lighthouse could be described as having been painted in barber's pole colors. Oh, Likewise, wow. borders mm-hmm. may be marked and warnings highlighted. So yeah, uh, the origins of surgery, da-da-da-da. As early as 1905, use of the poles were, were reported to be dismi- diminishing in the United States. It weren't as big a deal um, because people are like, oh, yeah, poles revolving. I've seen that before. Uh, the world's <laughs> tallest barbershop pole. It's in Oregon. <laughs> Been around this pole before. 72 feet. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's a thing. Um, oh. It's also been used in prostitution. I don't know sure. if we want to talk about that. Nope, we're good. Okay. Uh, I like <laughs> that the the line just above that, though, was as early as 1905, use of the polls was reported to be, quote, diminishing, end quote, in the United States. And that's cited. Yeah. Who who cited that? Uh, oh, oh, uh, in from 1905, colonial craftsmen in the beginnings of the American industry. Oh, my yeah, I did not know that about the blood. I that's terrifying to me. I'm sorry. One one other thing to mention is that it has an optical illusion with it because mm-hmm. it makes the it makes the stripes look like they're traveling up or down when they're just traveling sideways. Right. Traveling around it. <laughs> yes. That's all I got. Anything uh, else here that you want to <laughs> talk about? This is actually not what I. I this is not what I ended up wanting to click on or what I, what I wanted this to end on. I very nearly I was trying to get to um barbershop quartet. Ah. Uh, but the actual page for barber does not link to barbershop quartet. And I was in, 
I, I, I was very surprised by that. And that was the next closest thing. I was like, you know what? Barber's bullet is. Okay. I got one more that I want to talk about. Sure. And the bug, because <laughs> this, the, the phrasing of this sentence is, these two sentences is great. In the bug world, there is the barber pole grasshopper, uh, Dactylotum bicolor. It is also known as the painted grasshopper and is said to be the most beautiful grasshopper. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> by who? It's cited. Beautiful grasshopper. By, by Beth Theoret. Ugh, Beth? what to do about grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> Beth. Beth likes this grasshopper a lot. Yeah, apparently. Man. Oh, man. Scale it down a little bit, Beth. Well, I got Mm -hmm. there. The goat is still up. I'm watching it now. (laughs) Oh, I didn't. I forgot to check in. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Well, well done, Sky. Good job on this this race. Oh, hell, that is a... That grasshopper is cool. (laughs) 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 Can you you link us to this most beautiful grasshopper? Um... So I, I want to just that is a very it's, cute. Okay. It's kind of marbled. Yeah, it's neat. That is a beautiful grasshopper. Oh my goodness! Um, and, and I I am surprised at how how excited <laughs> Beth is about it. Here's a great. As long as these insects remain as non-damaging, non-migratory, and in low populations, they are referred to as grasshoppers. When grasshoppers change their behavior and begin to migrate, damage, and swarm, they are referred to as the ultimate bad boy grasshoppers. Whoa! <laughs> That's pretty great. Bad boy grasshoppers? Bad boy grasshoppers. Look. Oh, no. Can, can get like a... Oh, I mean, we just um, need like a little grasshopper and a tiny leather jacket. We need to have bad boy fact hoppers. Yes. Oh man. Oh no. Just yeah. just grasshoppers in those jackets, like showing the backs of the jackets to you, like like those uh, Japanese gangs. Yeah, yeah, obviously, clearly with with those glasses. Hmm. Uh, just so you guys know, the goat is still up. Yeah, we. I yeah, definitely yep. checked. All right, I'm I'm gonna do it. Just a general image search. For barber pole grasshopper, because I that's what they say it's called, and I do not believe that the internet will agree with that. Oh my gosh, it does. That's a oh, lot you of grasshoppers. Have faith. No, yeah, I stand corrected. There's a lot wow, there's so many grasshoppers. And it looks like a lot of them are mating. Okay, thanks. Good job, internet. Uh <laughs> good job. Good job, grasshoppers. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true too, yes. Way to go, guys. Um I, I uh, just as a shout out, quick. One of our listeners, uh, James, uh, from from the Tiny Cartridge Crew, uh, he was he tweeted out the other day. I don't know if you guys saw that. His favorite, we should know better, is when we discover new birds. Yes, like that, that's 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 his favorite moment in this. And I, I I hope that this at least lives up to us discovering this beautiful grasshopper, the most beautiful of grasshoppers. We just uh, yeah. We the just bad like special boy. animals. Yes. Yep. At least lives up a little bit to that. Big goats, tiny grasshoppers. <laughs> we should know better. We should know better. Um. All right. Well, well done, you guys, uh, both of you. And uh, if you want to hear more episodes like this, you can check us out on our webpage um, at wskbcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at wskbcast. You can look for us on Facebook by searching for We Should Know Better. 
Uh, and you can look for us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever, uh, whatever podcatcher you use. Um, and if you do listen to it in any of those places, uh, you know, feel free to give us a rating. It'd be pretty neat of you. And maybe a review. I mean, those, both of those things would be neat of you, uh, you know, in whatever order you prefer to do. Uh, but yes, uh, but I am, you know, I, 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 I'm glad we had a good run tonight, but I'm my, the rest of my night is basically going to be watching this goat because I, I just know. Protect it. Yeah. Well, that's the, (laughs) that's the, that's the phrase, right? (laughs) What if you just see like someone in a hoodie in the back with like holding a gas canister, like walking in and you're like, I got to call Sweden (laughs) now. Sweden, wake up. (laughs) No. yeah, well, you know the phrase, like, a watched goat never burns? I mean, that's that's how go. it goes, right? That's the phrase. Yep. All right, good night, you guys. Good night. Good night. Oh, this goat's real good. I I was not expecting it to be this nice. I like how does it have eyes or is it just the reflection of the light? It's lights? very reflective. I yeah, noticed so that too. It's got like it's got these like big like wide looking eyes and it's. It very looks good. so innocent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I think it is, Sky. I think the lights are kind of curling around it. Do you see the yeah. like there? There seems to be like a little arch of them right there. Oh, I wonder yeah, if yeah. there's. I wonder if it's going across its eye. It might be. It yeah. just looks so innocent. Right. It just looks like wide-eyed. It's like, I'm up at four in the morning. <laughs> i got to stay v- vigilant. I'm going to be the best goat. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. No one's going to uh, kill me. I'm going gonna, I'm go- I'm gonna to be the one that makes it. <laughs> For sure. Oh, you're such a good goat. Good job, goat.